Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden Artist Colors makes the best acrylics, Williamsburg oils, and core watercolors. And you can find them in your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum makes amazing coffee, and you can head over to their website at fulcrumcoffee.com and check out their subscriptions. They have an amazing variety that you could choose from and have coffee delivered to your house every month. Everything from light growth subscription to espresso to all brands, single origin. They even have a sunset subscription, a jazz alley night subscription. It's a really cool curated coffee experience that can be delivered to your door. And you can get a discount by adding the code Alfred Studio whenever you check out from the website. Fulcrum Coffee Roasters from Seattle. Check them out. Alvin Ong is an artist who lives and works in Singapore and London. He's a graduate of the Ruskin School of Art at the University of Oxford and the Royal College of Art in London. His paintings playfully combine diverse visual vocabularies alongside his own lived experience of hybridity and distance across a variety of spaces, physical and virtual. His works are collected by LHAM Gallery, the Ingram Collection, the Victoria and Albert Museum, and the X Museum. Alvin and I spoke about working from home, playing piano, fugues, running repetition, portraits, and pace, and much more. Here's our conversation. So uh, you're you're in Singapore, right? I'm in Singapore now. Where where are you in, in Singapore? In my parents' home, where um, I kind of like converted a guest room into my studio. Nice. And the living room is like storage for finished work. <laughs> how do, how do they feel about that? <laughs> uh, they've got they've gotten used to it actually because. Um, this arrangement started like three years ago before COVID, but um, when yeah. COVID came and I stayed on the and and I needed to do some shows here, like quite a few, so the paintings in the living room piled up, um, and then they just um offered me their their. They're, they're two cents, three cents with, oh, I like this, or this this one I don't understand. And, uh, this one, the colors are nice. And I just <laughs> see it as a way of um, them offering some kind of support, like verbal support. Right. Um, even though they don't really um, understand fully um, my practice or what it means to do like art. Yeah. Right. You're you're getting a a good person off the street critique at all times. 
Yeah, it's a person off the street kind Which of matters. Thing. I mean, it's good to hear that. Yeah. Even even if it's sometimes yeah. they're, they're missing the greater point or whatever, it's just good to sort of see through the eyes of someone who hasn't studied or is not like a necessarily an art aficionado or art historian to like, oh, what's their take on this stuff, you know? Yeah, totally. But then sometimes, you know, like, I, I leave it in the living room to dry or it's not finished and and I still feel like uh, quite unsatisfied about it and that's when um, like like I feel quite uncomfortable when they they well it they will still say nice things but I kind of feel like it's not ready to be um, seen in a way right. but I have no choice but to uh, yeah, so in a way, they are my first audiences, um, yeah, other than my gallery. It's tough, though. Yeah. It's it's like getting a critique on your outfit when you just go <laughs> out of bed. It's like, I'm not, this isn't presentation mode yet, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, you gotta let me get it to a certain point here before you give me the feedback. <laughs> Does your uh, wife and son or your kid uh, do that? Son, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, they don't. Well, my studio, oh. well... Yeah, no, they don't. They're, they, I mean... No. I've been with my wife for 21 years. She doesn't... She, oh, she knows, just, like, when to, like... like. Oh, no, or. no, she's just... She's not that interested in giving me that much feedback. Like, I have to ask her and say, what do you think of <laughs> oh, this? Oh, yeah. oh, oh, okay. Then she'll give me feedback. Or if I have a show and she goes and sees it all yeah. together. Yeah, but, then it makes and, sense, right? It yeah, totally. Mm. I used to have my studio at home back in the day for, like, the first maybe six years that we were together and then there was more going on there but now that it's in a separate building you know it's, it's there's just less it's kind of nice in a way it's kind of like you know every yeah. year and a half or something it's like here look what i did you know and then you see a whole show's worth of work which is kind of cool it used to be every day all day like couldn't escape from it <laughs> like your parents they can't oh escape God. from your work right now yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, and I, I, I guess, like, I, I kind of, like, got used to them as a kind of extended studio furniture. Right. <laughs> like, it just comes with the studio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's nice in a way. Impromptu critiques can, can be interesting. I remember one time I had the first gallery I showed at in New York. Um, it was before my first show, and they brought a couple paintings, and there was one in the back... You know, you could see it from the main space, but it was in the back. And I remember I walked in to meet with them and a UPS guy was there and he was in the middle of critiquing my painting to one of the staff members. <laughs> so I listened in on it. It was pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, my gallery was telling me they got like, the most rave review of my work from the... Uh, at the armory from this guy who um from he's like an art handler and he was um, like so and he would like like go to the booth like at night or after when it's all shut and he go and see himself and then or in the morning and he like and he's like and he was like so passionate about about this thing and he, yeah he, he would like t- yeah he would just like like tell them all these um yeah i think he, and he and he said like like he 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 had been working there for like 20 years or something and 
and this like was the Whoa. best work he'd ever seen and all that. Yeah, I don't know. Nice. Yeah, that's great. But yeah, I, I guess like they 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 feel like they they want to tell me, um, because I wasn't there. Right. Uh, so they feel like they should like update me and yeah, offer some. Uh, translation of the experience, right? Yeah. Although I kind of feel like I can kind of imagine how it must have been like, uh, through other people's Instagram stories and and all that. So I think I guess that that was enough for right. me. And also, I I kind of feel like art fairs are scary places. And in what sense? Um, I don't know. I just feel. Um, I don't know. I can't. I kind of feel like it's um. Like every time I go to an art fair, I it's always um. I'm just, I'm always like washed out and completely drained, and I, it's like too much of um. It's just uh too much. It's, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's like a mall for like art and yeah. like. You walk around it the is, mall. It going, is, yeah. Imagine going to every single store and looking at all the clothes and shoes. Like halfway through, you're just exhausted from it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I feel like, yeah, it's not so healthy for my, for, for my soul as an artist. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of I prefer going to gallery shows. And, and then, yeah, maybe there might be um, deeper conversations um yeah so yeah but i, I guess the- well, isn't it isn't it like instagram in a way because like, yeah people it is like to see a ton of stuff but the good thing about it is like let's say that installation that you did at the art fair with all those yeah you know, modular paintings yeah. I and mean, that exposed you to so many people because it was yeah. such a strong collection of work and it was very like visually impacting so i think you know for all the downs of art fairs in a way you know, there is a good side to where, you know, so many different people who might not have seen, like, you know, our solo shows go yeah. and see the work and are introduced to it that way. Yeah. And I would say it's probably better to to see it in the flesh than just on, like, Instagram or online, you know. Yeah, obviously. And and it's interesting you mentioned Instagram because um, when I first uh, thought of the booth, I thought... Um, of uh, of it as a kind of like physical representation of Instagram, so the grid and and like uh, how the walls on this the side they're like you know, they're like three columns, which kind of resemble yeah. Instagram. Um, yeah, but also I guess th- there is also this um idea of uh, voyeurism and. The spectator that I kind of like, um, like yours, like even when I see um, the grid, I feel like I am creating my own um, uh, fictional diary almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it. Then the the thing about that specific installation too is the rip repetition of the scale is so much like the repetition of you know it's funny how you know seeing things online and like instagram has like trained our eyes or like accustomed 
us to a certain kind of looking like a speed and a scale, you know, that when you mm. see it in person, I think you're, the brain must automatically try to relate it to things that it's seen in the past through media, you know, like in, over the internet. It's weird. It's like it's shaping the way that we think about work and our relationship to it physically when we're in front of it. You know, it, it does feel even more impactful and raw. Yeah, and actually Instagram uh, did help me uh, expand the yeah. work. Like, uh, I'd be scrolling and... Well, basically, like, the it's a kind of theme and variations kind of structure. And then as... I mean, I would scroll and stumble on the work and I think, oh, actually, this is an interesting variation on something I'm doing. So... I, I kind of like do a cover on it and then it gets um, incorporated into this monster yeah. almost. But it's strange that um, somehow the process of the cover um, uh, uh, does somewhat detach it from um, its original source. Like I kind of recognize it as mine a little. But also at the same time, um, like seeing them uh, together, I, I, I also see them as a kind of like tribute to the many artists who like, who, who continue to inspire me. Yeah. And I like borrow from, yeah. yeah. Like there's this uh, Nicole Eisenman etching called Conversation, which is like uh, um, two people uh, that make a hit and they're like uh, engaged in some kind of fight and I think that was the genesis of one of the hits and um, yeah it's, yeah, I think the motifs just it's fun to there. work on a series like that too where you can mutate it, it I mean, is I did, yeah I did something somewhat similar in the modularity of it um, everyone always used to say oh you never paint people and it would get me a little frustrated but it was true and then the influences were only a certain couple influence that they would mention in relation to my work so I decided to just start painting portraits mm. of people who were an inspiration to me and that was you mm. know and they were all 9 by 12 inches so they were small and I spent three years doing that and I made 333 of them and you know showed it in this giant grid but it was so fun for people to see all these people that were in my head even though they wouldn't have known how did you decide on the number, like three, 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 just because it was a, was a nice repetition or? Well, I, as it started getting closer to when I was going, because I had a show date, you know, that came. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't start it knowing I would show a certain amount or a certain place. But once mm. I did like a bunch of them and I had a gallery visit from my Berlin gallery, they, you know, I had a show date. And it was getting close to that number. I kind of like forecasted it. And I was used to be in a band called 33.3. And 333 ah. has always been like the John Cage, you know, 33.3 oh, yeah. seconds of silence. Like that's always been uh, like a mystical number for me in a way. So that's that's why. Also, I guess three has that has a nice ring to it, right? Yeah, definitely. It's it's in yeah. the well there's also like in Japanese culture, it's thought of as being really um, like a good luck number because it's it, in mm. relation, like when I got married to my wife, you do this thing called Sansankuro, which is 
like you you drink three tiers of sake, but it's basically like three is um, you can't divide it. You know what I mean? So it's it's oh. there's this idea that it's indivisible in a clean way or something. So there's that. So there were so many different like three for me has been such a big part of my life. So <laughs> I don't know. It just made sense, you know. Three three hundred thirty three. It's a nice round number. Not round number, actually. How did it feel like seeing them all together? Because uh, obviously, um, it was diff- w- w- Could you install the whole thing in your studio? No, before not at you all. saw it in the gallery. <laughs> no, no, no chance. Mm. Yeah, no. I d- I was piling them up like they were just like <laughs> stacking and stacking. Um, it was amazing because um, this was when I used to show with Haunch of Venison, and they had this Berlin gallery with this gigantic wall on the left side of the gallery. And I thought, that's the perfect wall. So it was really cool to see it. Like really long, is it? Yeah, long and high. Mm. It was just huge. So it, it felt cool. I mean, it was, you know, I'm sure you felt that way about your installation. I don't know if you titled that installation, but that group of work yeah it was titled in my head like what you said oh, right. just now yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you know when you like see literally it literally and yeah yeah in my head when you see it you feel yeah. like oh yeah that's the way because it does have an impact you know yeah it was um it also expanded my language like i was like okay so i have this grid and so i i try um to experiment with certain languages that I had not painted in before. And then I realized, yeah. oh, I could actually subsume this into my uh, vocabulary. And so it was quite um, quite rewarding for me, actually. And also because of COVID and, and um, um, not like having like kind of like no social life because of all the lockdowns, right. it kind of gave some kind of structure to my day where like there was no weekend or weekday. At least I could say, okay, um, this week I need to do five if I'm going to finish yeah. by, what, what, what was that, July? Yeah, so that's five uh, a week, no, three to five a week and about uh, two, th- 20 to 30 a month or something like that no 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 16 yeah. 16 sorry 16 a month yeah it was really nice to have that like in a situation like covid where you run the danger of every day feeling like groundhog yeah. day like it's the same thing over yeah. and over to have like a goal line is a nice sort of thing to look forward to otherwise it's just like wow whatever you know yeah, I was so restless, you know. But yeah. there are days, there are so many days where I'm like, okay, I, I, I don't really feel like going in, uh, but I'm just going to try. And then the, the motif so-called saved me in the sense that I could go in with um, a structure already set up and then I just uh, wing it and yeah. somehow it became something different. Um, I think it's really like, valuable yeah, to do that yeah and then sometimes I, I, I thought I finish it and then I um, virtually put it in the grid in my Photoshop and then I say oh okay actually this this is very similar to this number and that number so I, I'll rework that or change the order and 
and and then or or yeah so so it was actually quite um fun in a way yeah 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 and then at i was gonna say as an art teacher i give students this a lot of times i'll say do 10 or do 100 of these and they get annoyed mm. because I say it a lot, you know, like, why do I need to do? But I think when you're on number 98 out of 100, you force yourself when it's like a consistent thing, you know, like, I'm going to paint yeah. this water tower. Now paint it 100 <laughs> times. By 98, you're going to come up with something that you never would have come up with on number two. And I think it's a, it's a really interesting way to push yourself in directions that you might not normally have gone. Yeah, and I think also... Um like, like, I think music helped me a lot. Like, I was listening to this lecture. Um, with this, I think he was, he's a flutist at the Metropolitan Opera. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about uh, the music of Bach and how Bach um, basically wrote the art of the fugue by breaking down a very simple material and then uh, he'd invert it and then he'd also uh, overlaid it over another inversion and these inversions mirror other inversions and they get overlaid and then, and then he'd do this this cover in so-called uh, a French style or 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 he turned this and 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 I and I found it so fascinating. So I I I decided to try it. Um, yeah. So some of the the hits do um, overlap one another, but that's also cause like sometimes along the way I change my mind and then I I I, I rub off something and then and it forms like a ghost. Uh, yeah. And then like. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to keep both options there. Um, so, so in some ways, it forms like um, a musical fugue. Um, yeah. Were you listening to that stuff too while you were doing it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, yeah. Um, I, I paint and uh, yeah, another COVID hobby that I've rediscovered is the piano. Nice. Um, so is there one yeah, you, I, did your parents have one? Uh, yeah, it's it was a very old piano, and uh, sometime in the middle of this year, it kind of like committed suicide in the sense that oh, no. <laughs> it couldn't even hold the note for like a day. So yeah, I I, I got a new one, nice. and um, yeah, I've been playing a lot a lot more, and it became a kind of like. Um, counterpoint to what I was doing yeah. uh, but also something that was um, a bit more tangible because uh, like like there's a score so I can actually like see um, the end point in a way whereas painting is like ah, you're just swimming in this um, organic whirlpool of I need to be there's colour and composition and all that shit all at once and then I'm like uh, yeah it's uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's definitely the case it's it, you know and it, I think it also depends how you paint it, feel, it seems like your paintings 
are really organic and there's a lot of movement and sort of you know area to to explore and breathe and mutate in the process i mean there's some people who just say this is the image and then they just execute it so it seems like you're on the other end of that spectrum which is like the opposite of that sort of musical idea of yeah like and, and i think if i if i had like um specific photo references i would not have even arrived at 50 yeah I, I've, in fact i i ha- i even now i feel like i have no idea how i managed to even get past 100 don't you love that though yeah. when you're when you do something <laughs> it happens like for me like if i look in the past i'm like how did i ever think to do that <laughs> you know what i mean it's kind of cool and and actually my my first uh proposal to the gallery was to do 365 oh, wow. <laughs> and they thought it was crazy and i think it's crazy uh yeah so we eventually we settled for 100 because like you know uh like 100 years of in, um and the century yeah it's just a nice number and it's also divisible by four so we could hang it in rows of oh, four in the grid. yeah yeah in the grid uh, and then um, because of the booth dimensions, we had to add eight. So it became 108. Yeah, but eight of them have yeah. like specific titles. So the number still uh, stops at 100. Oh, technically the pe- the one piece is 100. Yeah. You know, the 365, maybe yeah. a new drawing version of that might be a little more realistically oh, yeah. done, you know, because you could whip out a drawing. Pop, a yeah. Basically like a drawing a day for a year. Yeah, that would be so cool. Yeah. Definitely. Sometimes to I th- unwind, I, I do like ink hits and and I'd have like 10 or 20, but but maybe two are only usable. Right. Yeah, yeah. and then I, I like store the rest. Yeah, I think paper works are much, are much more feasible. Yeah. Yeah, there's a different speed there. Maybe because it's, it's about... Yeah, different speed and um, like there's less layering for uh, like, like it's just um, like maybe somehow less right. is more. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually find uh, working on paper quite relaxing. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. different pace and a different sense of uh, I don't know. You can generally people seem to feel a little more free when they're working on paper it's not yeah. as like you don't get as uptight and it's like oh this is a stretch canvas i gotta make blah blah it's just like it's paper you can just toss it and start a new one you know which is kind of i guess the gift of drawing that that it can inform things because you're freed up in a way yeah and i think um ink and paper kind of saved me in art school because uh i had so many episodes where like you go through all these crits and tutorials and you feel so like cramped up and so somehow yeah drawing saved me and like got me quite a out of quite a few pits yeah yeah i think when you when you do your autobiography that's your title (laughs) (laughs) start writing it now (laughs) that's a good title Drawing saved. Drawing me. saved me. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Not Jesus. No, no. no. That's for later or something. But yeah, yeah. Drawing right li- now, drawing saved me. <laughs> but so wait, so you you're during COVID the whole time you've been at home working at home, right? Yeah, yeah. So quite quite often. And then growing up, I guess, were you, were you drawing a lot then too? Was art a thing? Yeah, I think drawing came first and uh, I was probably only 14 when I was introduced to painting, right. like acrylic paints. Um, At school? And then I... Oh, in school, yeah. And it was... I only touched oil when I went to the Ruskin. So that was uh, probably when I was 20-something. Yeah. So it was yeah. drawing at first. Yeah. mom and dad are supportive of the drawing habit. Did it save you uh, back then? Did it save you from being bored or did it save you I, from you they, know other groups or like the you identified with like being creative or um or was yeah, it just something I, you I did? guess also because like i i didn't really grow up in a very artistic family um and also maybe because i was an only child so it was a kind of escape yeah um and you know i live in the suburbs so nothing actually happens here uh, we don't really have a countryside to run in the fields right. and <laughs> catch insects or something. So, yeah, just drawing and, um, like, initially it began by, like, borrowing art books from the library, mm-hmm. like the neighborhood library, which consisted of, like, the Renaissance and... Like, you know, the cheesy stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I think uh, I took that class in undergrad. Art history, the cheesy stuff. <laughs> it's like 101 <laughs> in parentheses. The cheesy stuff. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then um, I, I think I got quite, like, quite into it. So I begin to, like, suss out every art book in the library and... Like, I began, like, collecting, like, Renaissance paintings. So, like, if I see a painting in a book, I'd photocopy it, like, cut it out and put it in my scrapbook. And, yeah, I'd have, like, like folders of that stuff. Yeah. Now, yeah. was uh, I'm curious about how art education is in Singapore. The only touchstone I have to Singapore as far as education is my son studied Singapore math. And I don't even know if that's actually from Singapore. Whoa. <laughs> but it, it makes me feel, because of the sort of rigorous and intensive and um, the way that that was taught, I'm, I'm curious if, the, is, if there's a thing there, like if it's related to education. Like what was school like? Yeah, like... Um you know, exam math questions actually make the news for being, like, difficult, like, and parents being so exasperated over it. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah, exams are a big thing here. I guess in most Asian countries, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess art education was quite non-existent like we like get these like art classes where we like 
like uh, do prints with vegetables and um cutouts and yeah yeah it was like yeah we didn't we didn't really have like art history until I went to college. Right. Um, so how did you make that leap though? So if you didn't have a huge sort of like, if art ed, art didn't have a huge role in your education, how did when you graduate high school, what, yeah. what, how are you thinking, I'll go to England to study art? Uh, actually, I, uh, I wanted to be an architect. So I went to architecture school for like two and a half years. And um, at that time, I was like taking like some painting commissions mm-hmm. just to supplement my fees. And I think it got to a point where I felt like I didn't want to like design another mall or house. Or, yeah, because I guess Singapore is a very small place. So you can't really do many museums or exciting stuff here. Because yeah. um, land is so precious. Uh, yeah, so I... I decided to take a year out um, and apply to some art schools in the UK. And I, and I told myself, okay, if it didn't work out, I'll just go back to architecture school. Uh, but yeah, that never happened. What, now, what led you to the UK? Because there's a lot of different places you could study. Like Paris, like Italy, you could go to uh, New York. You, you know, there's so many different places you could yeah, go to. What uh, drew you there? I think I, I, I also wanted an excuse to like travel Europe and uh, and actually see all these uh, old master paintings that I had seen in books. Yeah. Yeah. I think that 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 was a big draw. And also maybe because uh, I grew up in a, a country that was actually quite new. Everything is like, it's quite rare to find something that's a bit more than uh, 150 right. years old yeah. here. So I, 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 I think the romantic in me uh, wanted to dream of living in a place where like, you know, it, it could be like in a Harry Potter world or uh, right, right. yeah. Yeah. That historical yeah. sort of feeling. That kind of his yeah history. Although I must say, when I first went to the Ruskin, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, that all that was kind of like, wow. Yeah. For like the first month, and then after that, it's just like, uh, that's just <laughs> it's just it's just a backdrop. Right. You, know? you get used to it quick. Yeah. Right. You get used to your yeah, surroundings yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exotic, like, wears off, you know, after not too long. Especially when you're living somewhere. It's one thing if you're visiting, you know. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. When, when I have gone to, like, Verona, you know, and saw, like, you know, that... It's it's amazing. I never spent that much time there, so it always has that kind of charm, you know. But if you're actually living somewhere, after a month, you're like, okay, yeah, that's I, I get it. That's what the buildings look like. And then you get more interested in your day-to-day, you know. But did you like that change? Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, and I also, like... Uh, feel like every time I come back here... I kind of see different... Uh, Singapore... As a tourist, or somewhat, like... It, it keeps the eye fresh, somewhat. Yeah. 
Yeah. That makes sense. And I guess you spoke English, so that made it easy, right? Uh, that's what I thought. And then, um, <laughs> you know that podcast you did with Vivian Zhang? Oh, yes, yes. Like a while yeah. back. And um, she said uh, she went to London and she realized they were speaking English, but she had no clue what they were saying. <laughs> that was my exact experience yeah. it's like yeah i had no idea um yeah w- yeah I, I, nothing really prepared me for the culture shock <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a big shift right it's always interesting yeah to to think i mean as a native speaker of english but you know with an yeah. american accent it's always interesting to see when people from where english is a second language where their accent or where they come into it from you know what I mean? Because everyone who speaks English thinks their English is like the normal way, <laughs> which it's not. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's, it's really interesting yeah. to, you know, when you, you know, f- see someone like I have a friend in Japan who speaks with a very heavy British accent, and it just seems funny to me because, <laughs> you know, and and I think it's also not just the accent; it's the accent that comes with a whole library of cultural references yeah. that that um are alien to me right so i i didn't i didn't really get a lot of the jokes or uh uh yeah that's tough yeah initially although at least you were in college Uh, it's not like you moved when you were in high school or something that's probably really tough because then like the kids will make fun of you are like oh you don't understand you know (laughs) i think in college it's more global kind of you know at least yeah on hope yeah definitely <laughs> yeah and 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 i mean i mean that was at least uh in in my residence where i stayed uh in in on um, one of the colleges in oxford mm-hmm. but i think in the art school it didn't really matter so much yeah 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 although i must say um i i think the the big like leap for me was when I went to RCA and I realized, um, and I was like being surrounded by so many other painters. I was, I felt like I was in a garden, you know, yeah, like a plant that was, uh, yeah, just moved from someone's house where there are just like maybe ten pots, and then now I'm in, <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, we like we this plant paradise. Our adage is a small fish in a big pond, <laughs> right? Not a big fish in a little yeah, pond. Yeah, it's so much fun it's there. Like, yeah, there's so many people. There's so many artists. There's so many. You know, it's daunting a little yeah. bit. You know, and and I think there is also like uh, something to be said about the creative energy that comes from like such an environment. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't get in Oxford at all. Right, competition yeah. too, right? Uh, competition, not really. I guess like because like we all paint somewhat differently. Yeah. Uh, well, that's nice. My graduate school experience was was very competitive. Quite competitive. Oh yeah, people were. Mm. I mean, this is a lot. Is 
I feel like artists are generally more supportive nowadays because you can see that there's a lot more ways to get out there. There's more galleries. There's more opportunities. I think when I was in graduate school in the 90s, it was like there, were, there weren't quite as many outlets. So people felt pretty competitive about wanting to get the attention or wanting people to see their stuff. I remember we would have open mm. studios and people would come up from New York and like everyone's like, come to my, st-, you know, people would just really feel like, you know, really like pressure. Like they really want to make sure people see their work because back then there's no internet. There's no other way really besides slides and like you know oh but i think having said that there is definitely that element also in art school like come and see me right. and like i i remember um like visiting tutors uh when they when they are and they, when they were coming the administrator would put his name on the notice board with the time slots and i think within an hour Oh yeah. Everything would be booked up. Yeah. It's like insane. <laughs> yeah, those visiting artists sign up sheets in graduate school. Like people would go scratch other people's yeah. names off and then write theirs. <laughs> Which is like the clearest way to see that like that person is just trying to, you know what I mean? But people were really competitive about it, you know. Oh, oh, oh in the RCA they like attach a second sheet after the last time slot and they put a bracket only if you have time, but they're like 20 <laughs> or people, 20 or 30 people, uh, yeah, on the wait list, so-called. Yeah. Right. We used to have a couple of rogue <laughs> students who were very outward and they would try to intercept the visiting artists before they get taken back to the train station and like grab oh, wow. them real quick and be like, hey, can you just come in real quick to the studio? <laughs> but, I mean, you know. I, I think it must be so tiring for them. Like, cause I guess as if, if you're visiting or if you're, if you have a tutorial, you'd be like talking most of the time. So you'd be talking for like six hours or seven hours, almost nonstop. And, and yeah, I, I think it's just insane. <laughs> I think though, but when I've done visiting things, the, the, the thing that yeah. gives you a little bit of energy is a you know you're only there usually like one night like two days or something yeah and then the yeah. other thing is everything's new whereas when you're teaching teaching mm. your students are your students like you know some of them you've known for three years so it's it's not quite so new but whenever you do the visiting thing it's like all this energy and there's everything you're seeing is brand new which is kind of cool mm. but yeah it's 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 something so after you graduated from RCA, did you go straight back to Singapore? Um, yeah, that was the initial plan, and uh, but then they they gave uh, uh, RCA gave me this like studio award, like basically a free studio for a year. I think it's the same same thing that uh, same prize that Vivian got. Yeah, so, that's cool. Um, yeah, I stayed on. Uh, and then actually the plan was for me to go back last year. I was actually back here just for, uh, just to escape winter, yeah, and and spend the the lunar new year with my family, and then COVID, COVID. happened. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm still here, <laughs> but also I'm still here because, um, yeah, I I I decided since I'm all set up here. I like do uh, my projects in Asia here first before I head back. 
and maybe I'll go for a holiday, right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is there, I'm, I'm guessing that there's a different intensity to working in London than where you are now. Does that really affect you in your day-to-day, you know, working process? Um... Mm. Uh, th- what do you mean by intensity though like, well it's like the community uh, I don't know do you have a big art community there and are you is there a lot of galleries is there a lot you know it's kind of like what we were talking about with like art school where there's just so uh, many people yeah that's something I miss yeah in London yeah although like I don't know like I'm not sure if it actually helps the work because it's like a social thing, right? right? You just hang out and uh, maybe you get some painting ideas or painting links or references. And um, But then now I realize I also get that through Instagram. Yeah, yeah so in a way, um, yeah, uh, that's something I... Yeah, but I mean to... It's, I, yeah, I do, I do miss being there. Socially. Yeah, and the shows and, yeah, socially. Uh, the conversations. Yeah. yeah, it's just very different here. Um, yeah, also because um, there are not so many painters in Singapore, actually. Yeah. For some reason, I have no idea why. Um yeah, but I, I do have some friends here and, and, and we keep in touch. But I guess painters are like uh, uh, like some kind of um, f- jungle pilgrims, you know, like they forage in the forest and they get lost and, and they don't actually need to be so social, right? No, I agree with you. I think there's two types. Yeah. I think there's the people who need that energy or they need to be around Mm. like a city where there's a lot of people being creative to feel like, Oh, okay, I'm doing this and they're all doing it too. And, and, you know, there's an energy Mm. there that they need. And then there's other people who would do it no matter where they are, no matter how many people are looking at it. They just love to do it. I mean, I could make work. I'm here. I've been in Brooklyn for, you know, over 20 years and I, I'm here because I love that energy and I love the energy of the city. But in the same time, if, if I went, out to a rural house with a studio i'd be perfectly fine like working i would work probably harder because i'd be less distracted and less day-to-day you know city stuff to worry about so but i know there's some people that if they're not around others they feel like well what am i making this like i don't feel like anyone's really engaging with it therefore they they slow down a bit you know yeah i'm actually totally cool like not having that social pressure and actually that's something i don't miss about art school i agree yeah Yeah. it's like um it's some some somewhat like being in a zoo like oh you let let me try this also and yeah yeah that's something i don't miss and and also that um that kind of crisis thing i remember (laughs) yeah, it was so bad. It was, it was, it was like breakdown, crisis and panic. I, I, yeah. It was like two yeah, years panic. of panic <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> Just always panicked. <laughs> yeah, 
Whereas now I feel like I'm um I'm 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 more stable. Uh and I feel like I can I I, I ha- I've developed some strategies of how to like expand my own language in my own time. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure if I would survive another MA. <laughs> yeah. You know what's weird? I had yeah. a this is probably like a month or two ago. I had a dream where I went back to graduate school as a student. Oh my god. And the was teachers knew what's that? Was it a good thing? Like a good dream? No, it was weird. It was really uncomfortable. <laughs> like the teachers knew me and they were like, You're coming back as a student like it was you know it was just the whole thing was really weird but it was very vivid it was one of those dreams that felt like a movie like a real you know there was a narrative and everything and, and, and it was and I you, just remember and you made work in yeah. that dream you painted was, yeah yeah no I was yeah. making I got a studio and my work looked was nothing. it a shitty studio like without without skylight and Oh my god! Yeah, it was like a big open room that there was like mini partitions, and it was really uncomfortable. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, I don't think I can go back to that. I think it was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I think it's possibly nightmare. There were no ghosts, but it felt <laughs> awful. <laughs> Which is so funny because when we're trying to go to school, we want to go into these good schools, and we're so excited when we get in. You know what I mean? And then the idea after that of going back to it is like. I don't know, unsettling for some reason. Yeah, I think maybe because we're in a different place now. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I'm still trying to learn every day, but just not in that setting. You know what I mean? Not in not in that setting, yeah. But I guess you have to yeah. go through that. Well, you don't have to, but it can be very useful to go through that. Yeah. Just to put that on your CV, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, otherwise, no. maybe some galleries might not even consider showing <laughs> I don't do any does anyone even look at that stuff though I feel like I don't know everything I've achieved in in my career uh, just no one's looking at my bio really you know what I mean I just don't <laughs> think that matters I could have said I went to you know Harvard MIT or whatever and people would have been like okay and does the work good you know what I mean but maybe that's like you know crazy to think that but i don't know i don't know that it makes such a huge difference i think it makes a difference in maybe the people you meet and the connections you make and the sort of energy you get out of that and the experience of working for two years but you know i don't know that it's that really that important i think people place more importance on it from outside of the spectrum of it you know what i mean yeah residencies are nice though they are yeah i did one in scotland uh Wow, how was that? Dumfries house. Oh, that was such a nice holiday. Must have been beautiful, right? I've just pictured yeah, very they, green, lush, quiet. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a country estate, and they converted the, um, I think it was the laundry room into artist studio. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but they are huge. Yeah. You know, like the ceilings are like. Yeah, yeah nice. way up there and and uh, yeah, I was I think it was with the Royal Drawing School. So the conversations with my residency mates were so different. Were most of them um, Scottish think, or were they from all over? Um, most of them were British. Okay, actually, three of them. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, speaking of British. speaking the language but not understanding a word. 
a deep Scottish accent mm. can be really tricky. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, totally. But I, I must say it was a bubble because we didn't actually meet um, Locals. many people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it was it was really in the middle of nowhere. And uh, yeah, the countryside was just so beautiful. Those are the best residencies where you're out in the middle of nowhere because you could just focus. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. I made so much work. Yeah. Did it change a lot? Like your work now compared to like, you know, in school, like how did it progress and where is it now as far as, you know, mm. what you're exploring with the Maybe figure? Maybe the color palette did change. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think maybe when I, when I was in London, the, I don't know, the tones were darker and gloomier, maybe because of the weather, but also, um, I don't know, maybe, but I found myself returning to a lot of the earlier motifs and trying to, like, do recovers in my current language. Yeah. It's like um, revisiting an old house almost. Right. But you come back as a different traveler. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a... It's funny, I went home for the first time in a long time, like, uh, mm. a couple of years ago. It had been years and years and years, and everything seems so much smaller when you come back to it, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think whenever you revisit ideas in your earlier work, there's like a whole different perspective, similarly, like where you can, you yeah. can put in a different kind of context and it becomes, I don't know, like you could take it to another level in a way. Yeah, also maybe because like, I'd look at some of my old work and I'd say, oh, I think I see a seed that I'd like to explore again. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, that's... Uh, so, w and what are you working on now? Like, what's where's the work at? What's the imagery tapping into? Can you talk a little bit about um, what you're working so on? So, now I'm working on actually... Uh, two concurrent solos mm -hmm. one is in January in Singapore uh, and the other is in Shanghai in May or June I think um, so I think yeah the challenge for me after um, Armory was I guess because for the large part of the year I, I had been making um, works on a single motif right. and size and to go back to like um, maybe a two meter canvas or like the other ex the other spectrum like a 20 by 30 cm canvas um, it took some time to like 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 get the gears adjusted um, yeah but I guess I'm settling into a groove somehow um but also maybe um like planning the hang in sketchup did help a bit like yeah. getting a kind of structure uh like kind of like seeing how it can fit in uh i guess it's a bit like a jigsaw that is uh, always evolving. Yeah. 
like finding companions or ensembles for groups of paintings and right yeah trying to yeah so you're not necessarily when you're working just doing like that i'm working on this painting i finish it put it Mm. aside you tend to think about the way these things are all going to come together physically in the space how they relate to each other scale size installation so it's more of you know like this uh, a combined experience of all this work together really yeah yeah and also maybe um trying to incorporate that expanded vocabulary from uh the armory presentation into the larger works yeah um yeah yeah i guess to see to to although like i guess often the 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 solos begin with a word so i i'd have a working title that actually becomes the show title but they are often um, quite open enough for um, before the works actually happen. Right. So the one in Singapore is going to be titled Binge Watch. And the one in Shanghai is called Private Pleasures. So, yeah, they, they're kind of like loose enough um, yeah, to incorporate like like microstructures yeah. uh, of paintings. That's pretty interesting. And so you let it shape yeah. the narrative a little bit? Like you'll choose this sort of like title that, yeah. that goes in a direction, but it's not too, too pointed and you kind of like let the work yeah. build around that. Yeah. Also cause like, um, like, uh, also cause like, it's also administrative because some some of these shows I apply for kind of like a grant funding from the Arts Council here, which has to be like, what, like 10 months or six months right. in advance. So, yeah. You're kind of blindfold shooting at the, the dartboard <laughs> on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but often like, I, I don't know, I find like show titles like, yeah, it's just it's the same with painting titles. It's just something I just plonk there to get it over with. It's just like a a, a color somehow, right. like a layer of that is just one of the ten layers. And I kind of like to see how this layer um, adds meaning to the other nine. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like titling an instrumental song in a way exactly like it can shape yeah. it a little bit but it's not explicit to the lyrics there's no lyrics yeah. so it can kind of just be this ephemeral relationship to the image yeah and and, and also sometimes it can like i sometimes i choose titles that emphasize the subplot um like you know that Bruegel painting the fall of icarus yeah. where yeah, where it's like just that one corner. Yeah, I kind of like that sometimes. Uh, and sometimes uh, when I just can't be bothered and it's a series, I just like number them. Like right. for the Amri one, it was just called Mood 1 to 100. And I kind of like feel like, damn, Mood is a, such a good, like all-encompassing title. I wish I can just use it again. <laughs> So <laughs> Mood four thousand one hundred twenty six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I actually often reuse titles, although the works are 
quite different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes like it, if you were doing hypothetically, if an artist is doing portraits, I mean, you could call it portrait, you know, 22 or self portrait 49 or whatever, you know, and it works <laughs> in that sense. There's something kind of. It's also like a, a, a remix of an old track. Yeah. Yeah, somewhat. But it's completely different groove, different feel. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that happens. I mean, think about how many jazz songs are called, you know, all the things you are. There's probably like 100 <laughs> or 200 of them, you know? And it's the same song, but they're different every single time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, in a way, they, are, they function as abstractions, right? Yeah. Abstractions in color and... And, um, yeah, I guess for me, quite often, it's the structures that I'm interested in. And and then the narrative comes a bit later, quite accidentally, or maybe even at the very end, or maybe sometimes just when I want to abandon it, something happens and then I'm like, okay, yeah, this is salvageable. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I can um, relax somewhat. Right. Th- yeah. That is a really interesting idea that I don't think I've ever thought about before, but you brought up about it's a kind of abstraction because we normally think of abstraction as being the separation of an image from the borders of like representation, right? So abstraction is kind of like mm. blurring the lines of what is representational and moves into its own forms. But the idea of abstraction being taking something that exists, whether it's abstract representation or whatever, and just altering the shape of it or the the way that it's just like like a cover song like you know if you have a song mm. like one of box fugues and then someone does it in a mm. different way or something that's an abstraction of the song it's kind of a different yeah. way to think about abstraction in a really interesting way and it could be totally representational like picasso did that yeah. all the time right he would take you know like velasquez you know one of his paintings and do it like 40 times and each time is a different abstraction of the idea of the original piece but they're all representational essentially yeah, they, it, it it consists of representational elements, but put together uh, in an unconventional, like not how they would be conventionally put together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And even conventional might just be the original, you know? Because if you look at yeah. Dejeuner Soleil yeah. by Manet... The relationship between the nude figure in the foreground and the background figures is it's a little weird like it the scale is a little it's off weird. and the scale is off with the woman in the back touching the water so there's kind of an abstraction there but then if you've seen picasso yeah. do his iterations of that piece it's like completely you know abstracted so there's just all different levels of abstracting representation in a way but it's it's really interesting that that can be you know a different kind of way of abstracting an image. I guess you're doing that a lot in your work, right? Yeah, and recently I was like re-looking Fra Angelico's uh, frescoes at that that monastery in Florence, the Dominican one, Mm -hmm. um, where I I find it so interesting that uh, like how the landscape forms are almost like a drapery but also they are like mountains and and sometimes they echo the arches of the cell 
or the chapel and I'm like, oh my god, this is so brilliant. Yeah, so sometimes I, I think about that in my hang, like um how the architecture of the gallery space, if it's not a white cube, uh could enhance the painting Definitely. somewhat. See all that cheesy yeah. art really does mean something. <laughs> it does mean something. Yeah. We all we yeah. we all love cheese, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> part of our life. <laughs> so although I guess it, it it takes some form of like wondering to come back to the cheese and say, Yeah, actually this is not too bad right. after all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's forced from the trees. You gotta step yeah, away from it's it. The, it's the fresh eye and yeah. The, yeah. the fresh palate. The fresh palette, yeah. <laughs> so, um, a question about music. Is is classical your go-to, or are you listening to other stuff, too? Uh, yeah, sometimes other stuff, like when I go for my runs. You don't run, uh, run to Bach? <laughs> uh, no, I guess that no, could work. But sometimes I guess it, sometimes to Philip Glass, because oh, it's yeah. quite repetitive. repetitive. Right. It puts me in the zone. Um but I don't know, recently when I work, I, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts yeah. um, like yours. And actually, you know, one work for uh, the January solo is actually titled Sound and Vision. No, it's not. <laughs> well, I can't take that. And that title, is, speaking of an abstraction of something else, I mean, that title has been around for I, I <laughs> Bowie and, you know, yeah. That's yeah, it's this head with um, earphones and... He has his eyes closed and I thought, oh, actually, sound and vision adds a layer that's not present in the paintings or like implied because obviously that work, he's, he's like, he can't really, he's like, he has his eyes closed and uh, you can't actually hear. So, yeah, it kind of like completed the work for me. And also, like, I guess... Um, Podcasts have that bingy kind of feel. Yeah, it's like a repetitive, diaristic. Like you could just get in the groove. Yeah, of I do that too with certain yeah. podcasts where I know there's probably a million out there that are really great, but I just get a handful that I get kind of comfortable with in a way, and then I just want yeah. to keep listening to those. You know, like an old friend. Yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah, that's the and you know it. When I was first doing started a podcast, one of my friends who does an amazing podcast, he was saying that, you know, you just have to just do it every week or like every two weeks, however you do it, because people will will like the sort of consistency, you know. And I feel that way about the podcast I listen to. If there's ever a week where someone doesn't release one, I'm like, what? Wait, what? I thought we were friends. <laughs> <laughs> what am I gonna do this week? You know, you get that feeling of like. Um, so there is something that, like diaristic about it or repetitive, kind of like the format of the paintings being similar. Yeah, yeah. I think that's something I quite like also. And that makes it um, addictive somehow. Yeah. Like you want to see uh, which variation hasn't been done. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I and on my yeah. end, it's, it's just as addictive. Like... If I go a week without talking to someone, I feel like weird. <laughs> mm, it's it's become part of your routine, right? Definitely. 
in a really yeah. great, healthy way to where I think if I didn't do it, I would be like, am I just being really selfish right now? Because, you know, as an artist, you're in the studio. You're, it's so much of you, like we were saying at the beginning, you and your thoughts mm. that, you know, I've really accidentally, in a way with this, found the value of like sharing those thoughts more often. I mean, you know, you'd visit, you have studio visits once in a while, talk to your friends once in a while, but it's not like every week. Yeah, uh, and it's interesting to see how, like, um, uh, how music is such a big part of your podcast, right? You always like to ask uh, what they listen to. Yeah. uh, uh, The golden acrylics thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've always been, it's always been in my life a duality. Like, I've always made music and I've always made art and I love the 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 differences and the similarities and i'm always interested in what other creative people like what that relation i can most people listen to music or have a relationship and actually i i think for me um i i see it also as a kind of painting because it sometimes i it doesn't actually i don't know i feel like it doesn't actually sink in it just washes over me like how um like I'm just like staring at vague shapes in like a rough coal somehow yeah and then and then oh the episode is gone but I don't (laughs) actually know what was being said right yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. I love reading like that like I love poetry or stories where I finish Mm. it and I'm like wait what what happened you know what I mean where you just you lose yourself basically and I think you know, artists do that a lot too, where in the process, you kind of just lose yourself to what you're doing. And it's a very, for a lot of people, it's very relaxing in a sense that you're not worrying about the day-to-day crap. You're just getting lost in the work or what they now recently I've, you know, I've, I found out about the idea of flow state of like, you know, hitting this kind of like rhythm in the studio where you forget the rest of the world, which is kind of a, Oh, that's amazing. It's like a beautiful meditation. Does it, does it happen often for you? Um, not as often not, as I'd not, like. Not, not every... Yeah, yeah, that would be it nice. It takes a certain chunk of time and a certain yeah. um, relationship with the piece that I'm doing. Like, it doesn't happen when I'm gessoing. <laughs> it, like it, It's like, you know, it's in a certain window of making, of working on an image. And it's not right before it finishes. It's kind of like the build up where I'm yeah. spending hours and hours and hours and then you, you hit that that flow, you know, which is like a beautiful, you know. I mean, it's I'm, it's not like I'm dancing around in my mind or smiling. I mean, it's it's work. It's Sometimes it's a struggle, but there's a kind of a beauty to getting lost in that struggle, you know. Also, maybe it, it comes about unannounced. Like yeah. it was a complete surprise. Because the moment before that, you're like, oh my God, this is so shit. Yeah, exactly. And I just want to stop now. Right. But you didn't. Yeah. I, I imagine, uh, <laughs> you know, like F1 racers have that moment in a race. Oh, yeah. Where they're on a straightaway or they kind of separate out. Yeah. And they're not worried about getting bumped into for a minute. And they just hit this moment where they're not thinking about anything and they're just speeding, you know. And uh, there's probably analogies to other, you know, people doing things with like sports or activity or whatever but you know it, it there's something that happens there that is unlike any other hour of your life 
you know what I mean? It's just a mm. different kind of, I'm sure people who do like TM and meditate get that as well. You know, I just can't empty out like that. I have to find it through something else. <laughs> <laughs> too, it's too much clutter. You find it through painting yeah. and through podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Hey, well, you got to find it how yeah. you got to find it. You know, different people are suited for different ways, you know. Yeah, we, there must be something to do that's not painting, right? Right. Otherwise, it's like, I don't know how, it's it's inescapable almost. Yeah. Because the, the work needs to rest and you need to have some distance also. So what is there else? Yeah. Sometimes I, I help my dad with the gardening. I was going to say, and if you want to fill that vacuum, have a kid. You'll, yeah. <laughs> you'll never see that time oh, in your life. No, that's too much. <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> that, that, that idea of that kind of time evaporates from your life, only to be seen Completely. maybe in retirement. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it gives you uh, everything. I see everything as like a duality, you know. And mm. when your life does become more complicated like that or gets busier, then you savor those moments even more. It's like that old Louis C.K. bit whenever like you close the door, putting your kid in the car and you walk around to the driver's side and it's like a 15 minute vacation or 15 second vacation <laughs> before you get back in the car. <laughs> it's all relative. <laughs> but yeah. Do you, uh, is, is, is your son allowed into your studio or that's sacred space? Oh yeah. He's for he, you. You, you to go over there. He's allowed over there. Yeah. He doesn't want oh. to. <laughs> oh, he doesn't want to mess. Is it so he's like, no, no, I mean, I never really, he just doesn't uh, really care. <laughs> oh. He doesn't want to go over there. I mean, he's a teenager, no. so right now it's like not, you know, when he oh, was he's young. in his own thing. Yeah, now. yeah. When yeah. he was younger, he would, he would go over sometimes and I'd let him paint and stuff and he was into it for, you know, a certain amount of time. Then he's like, all right, that's enough. Let's go, you know, <laughs> let's go to the park or playground or do whatever else. But he, he now is really into film. So that's his thing. Oh. So he'll get lost. I see him getting lost like I do in a studio when he's doing film stuff. So, you wow. know, it's cool to see that. And I've never wanted to push, like, do this or do that. You know, it's, all, it's always open. But that's just his thing. So. You know, we all kind of have to find our niche. And, like, or we don't have to, but I think it's a beautiful thing in life if you can find that thing that really motivates you. Not completely. Not just yeah. because it makes you feel fulfilled. It's a love hate thing, or so. Oh, I totally. Guess. But it would yeah. be a love hate. It would be a hate hate thing in other realms. You know what I mean? If it's like a day <laughs> job that that's not what you want to be doing, you know what I mean? There's no real perk to it. At least with the love hate, with something that you really are interested in, you have passion for it. I think that saves it. You know. Yeah, I actually want to continue that hundred hits thing in the future yeah. uh, maybe eventually get to 365 there you go but maybe not now because i feel like i kind of like exhausted my material for now so i'll give it a break and do something else yeah one of my favorite pieces of art ever is you might know it is um he was a he taught me at skowhegan but his name is byron kim and he does these portraits. Oh, of, the the one with the skin yeah. color. Is and he keeps that oh. going. Like it's never, yeah. to my knowledge, it's never closed off. It's a piece that will keep growing and he comes back to it and does it. 
It's such a cool idea. I, I wonder how he gets the exact skin tone though, because skin can look quite different in different light. Well, yeah, I think he, he has you sit for him. Like you, you go sit, ah, and then he just wow. Like comes up with it. Pretty cool. Have you sat for that piece? No, no we talked about yet. it. I'm. I think uh, I'm supposed to at some point, but. Oh, you should. Yeah, I know. I should hit him up on that. No, he's. Do you get to keep it though? No. 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 Okay. But you're immortalized in the piece, I guess, if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> As a shade of a, of a color. But it's a genius idea, I think. You know. It's genius, yeah. man. Like this yeah. gigantic abstract portrait of people, and it's just really cool. But the I think the biggest chunk of it is at the National Gallery in DC. Yeah, it's it's quite nice how it it can be an infinite thing. Yeah. Yeah, just like how Instagram is. Right. An infinite yeah. scroll, and it democratizes like skin tone in a way. You know, it's just. Oh yeah. It, it takes it out of the context of the personality. Of the it's just this color. In a way, he's also like collecting collecting people of color, right? Definitely through that, it's a collection also. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. We can only, as artists, ever hope to have a piece that's just, you know, or something that taps into something like that, you know. Do you collect? I don't, like... Like, I, like work swaps and all ooh, that? Definitely. I have a huge collection, but no, almost oh, wow. 0% is bought. You know, it's just trading over the years. <laughs> Which is, I love, because, you know, that at most of the pieces that I have, I know that that person has something of mine, which is kind of nice. But yeah, I, yeah don't, that's really nice. I don't have enough wall space for all the stuff we have. It's pretty great. Do you? Uh, yeah, I have some stuff from my friends at the RCA. Uh, like, um, I think one of my favorites is... Uh, can show you but it's actually it was actually um like given to me when i went to bhutan oh nice um by i think my guide uh it's like some kind of wheel of life thing or something i think like um i was very very captivated by one of the uh, murals of that same subject when I went to one of the temples and uh, yeah I don't know why he gave it to me at the end of the trip but yeah I thought it was like um, yeah pretty special yeah it's, it's really cool was that Buddha yeah. inside like it was hard to see but is he in there um, I think so you know um, I think Buddha appears uh, a few times yeah in every scene, I think. Well, that is yeah. dense. It's really cool. Yeah, pretty dense. Yeah. I have this. Uh, um, I have this book that you get when you go to temples in Japan, where when you go. Oh, I I used to you know love those? collecting that, but it's so expensive. Yeah, they're expensive. Oh wow, because it adds up. <laughs> yeah, but when you go, the monk will do like each temple you go yeah. to. They they do the thing, but the I love the they're like little watercolors of each temple, and they're so beautiful. I love it. Oh wait, they do watercolors also. Oh no, I mean they're in the book already. So the book is like this collection ah. of like 
you know, like say 99 temples or something or like different places to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. when you go, yeah. there's the information about the temple and then the picture, which is, looks like a watercolor, but it's, I think it's just printed. And then the monk does, you know, the, the sumier, like the yeah. calligraphy. It's really cool. But I love the, you know, I mean, there aren't, they're not quote unquote like art pieces, but I would frame every single one of the, you know, they're just really cool. And they're all so unique. Although yeah. like I, I, Sometimes I do exercise judgment in the sense that I feel like if it's a super touristic temple and it's a long queue, I tell myself, oh, it's not going to be that nice anyway. So I just skip that one. Right. That's <laughs> <laughs> long lines is... Uh, is Big no-no. Well, long lines, and if the monk isn't young... Um, yeah, probably. And if it's touristy, may, maybe not. Yeah. Although, yeah. I don't know, have you ever been to Japan? <laughs> yeah, have yeah. Have you been to Kiyomizu yeah. in, in Kyoto? Kyomizu? It's like one of the most yeah, popular with the so, waterfall, yeah. with like the sacred waterfall. And there are lines yeah, yeah, yeah. like create. there's tourists everywhere, but that one is amazing. It it lives up to the bill. The, 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 that seal thing. No, just I mean, just the experience of being there is like so oh, amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Regardless definitely. of the touristiness of it, you know. Yeah, I uh, a few years back, um, I did this Camino de Santiago. And you know, um, they give you this pilgrim passport thing, and um, you kind of like stamp it where where you oh, yeah. where you. Uh, rest at the pilgrim hostels right. every night yeah I used to like um, like my heart would skip a bit when I see oh it's, it's actually quite a nice uh, nice one that they've got and right. then, um, yeah yeah like certain <laughs> ones are have a little extra yeah, some are just so boring yeah. <laughs> that's true yeah. that is true um, so and are you are you planning on traveling soon? Or are you sticking around? I mean, obviously, uh, I hope to. There, uh, maybe after, after the Shanghai show. Yeah. So that'll be June. Maybe go back to the UK, because uh, I have some stuff to settle in my studio there. Right. Uh, it's probably infested <laughs> with don't know what now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been sitting. I feel like there's a lot of that after COVID. Places that were abandoned yeah. for a while, you know. <laughs> I still haven't been to my office where I teach because I'm on sabbatical, so it's oh. got to be so dusty in that place. Oh it's my been God, since pre-COVID. Yeah. So yeah, it's but uh, and well, hopefully we can travel. I mean, with the things right yeah. now, it's getting a little dicey. So, but hopefully we'll be okay. Yeah, hopefully, not with the new Omicron thing. Yeah, Omicron. Yeah, new variant. <laughs> is everything how are things in Singapore as far as you know the COVID protocol um, it's still quite strict so yeah. um, groups of no bigger than five are allowed to dine in at restaurants right. and um, yeah so I'm not sure if they will uh, relax it further but I mean I guess we've been like in like doing the same thing pre-COVID, right? right? It's just that the rest of the world kind of like adopted our kind exactly. of lifestyles, right? Yeah, we're kind of used to <laughs> sitting in a room. Yeah. Lonely, you know, not 
having like <laughs> giant groups of people and all that. Yeah. Or we do it once yeah. every year and a half or two years or a year or whatever at an <laughs> opening. But other than that, right? We're kind of Oh my god, I hate openings actually. They're the worst. Worse still if it's my my own opening, I'm like, oh my god, it's just something I have to get through. Yeah. But and that's something I didn't miss because of COVID. I like I think I did there were like so I missed the armory. I missed the uh, uh Hong Kong solo and uh, Sydney solo and I was glad that I didn't need to go to any of that. Yeah. Something nice about yeah. not having to you know like I haven't been into a wedding in a while and I'm not feeling upset about <laughs> it. <laughs> no offense to anyone who got married in the last two years but you know there's some things that are just like oh, like I don't really have to to do that. Yeah and in Asia um, it's you have to like give uh, um money in right. uh, red, red packets yeah. at weddings and they can be quite costly so the, they do add up to that's true yeah. yep see you gotta look at the bright side <laughs> of any bad situation the bright side <laughs> it helps yeah. you uh, stay focused and upbeat cool so yeah though, though I really miss like you know those kind of um, nights where you can go uh, gallery hopping yeah. one yeah, that's something it feels like so like a it feels like another life almost. I agree. It's been a while since I've done yeah. that. Like an opening night where you just go to like, you know, fifteen yeah. different places and see all these people. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I wish I can do that again. So you like me though I mean the having yeah. going to openings where you can just like go in and like sneaky, just check it out and leave, go to the next one. It's kind of nice, <laughs> but when it's yours, you know, you got to talk oh, and no, everyone's man. right in your face. Yeah. And also, I feel like openings are a weird confluence. Like, they're like collectors and they're like friends. Yeah. And they're like, it's like everything together. Worlds collide like, in a bad way. <laughs> in a, yeah, sometimes in a bad sometimes way. Sometimes in a good way, I guess. Yeah. But inevitably, it's yeah. only so long and you can never really talk to people long and you always feel guilty afterwards. It's like, oh, I didn't really get to see that person. Exactly. Talk to that person. Like, I always feel like conversations at openings are always like half-baked. Yeah. They're never finished. And um, it's just something quite unfulfilling about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it's mandatory. You imagine having an opening every <laughs> night of your... Of your show, oh like a God. like a theater performer, like every night you gotta meet the crowd afterwards. And I have no idea how they do that. I think they're just. But social then you people, know my you know? my 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 friend who is a theater practitioner tells me that, like every night he sees that performance as a different thing. Yeah. So somehow it's a different thing for them every night. So, yeah, maybe it's the same thing. Yeah. I think it is. It's it is it because of the performance. It changes. It's like living yeah. and breathing. Whereas the work is just the work for a month, basically. <laughs> yeah, like I used to totally. play. You know, when we when the band I was in would go on tour, we play the same songs every night, pretty much. Mm. But it's a different crowd, so it feels different. You know, mm. you did a different thing that day. Mm. You had a different dinner. You had a different coffee, whatever, and you meet different people. So there's something, you know, energizing about that. And also, like, like at an opening, the work is done, and you just want to, like... And you've kind of, like, moved Definitely. on. Definitely. But yet, you must still talk yeah, about it. Yeah, that's the hard part. I agree. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you're already... Usually, by the time a show's up, you're already working towards the next one, you know? 
Yeah. Imagine how actors must feel. Like they're promoting a movie oh, they yeah. did three years ago sometimes. Oh, yeah. And they're like, okay. What, what? <laughs> it was really great. And they probably don't remember a lot of it, you know, and they get dumb questions and they have to do these press tours and stuff. But, but they're making millions, so we can't feel too bad for them. <laughs> sure, it's fine. We'd do it. Cool. So, there's but I, I, I must say I enjoy seeing, um, like, an install like my works. Yeah. Like to experience my works as an install. I think that's something I haven't, uh, had for quite a while. So, it's something I look forward to in January. Yeah, that's true because yeah. you you put up the show, but you didn't actually get to be there to see it. So yeah, that'll be nice. Yeah. So in January yeah. is Shanghai. Or Singapore? Uh, Singapore, What yeah. is the name of the gallery? For I mean, do you... Is that public? Uh, yeah, Vu's Gallery. Okay. Yeah, that's the gallery who uh, did the... In Armory. Armory. Right. Yeah. That's cool. And then in Shang... What's the gallery in Shanghai? Uh, I don't think I'm supposed okay, to say Okay, it's on the, the download. <laughs> okay, well, that's a good transition. How do people keep up with what you're doing? Is Instagram the best way? Uh, yes, okay. Instagram. Uh, I think it's L... It's just... Uh, Elvin Ong LJ mm-hmm. LJ is my Chinese name got it and uh, Facebook is Elvin Ong yeah LG and is that uh, short for for Liang Jie which is my Chinese okay. name so you, you are Mandarin yeah. you speak Mandarin uh, as second language oh Cantonese um, actually my dialect is Hokkien Oh right, which is like yeah, yeah. A southern Chinese. Uh, is that like thing. what they speak in Taiwan? Ah, yeah, right? similar, similar. So like Taiwanese yeah. Chinese, yeah. I'm yeah. fascinated by language. Yeah, similar. I love it. I mean, I I really would love to learn Mandarin, but it's so hard. Oh, it's so hard, right? The four tones kill. It's not me. worth it. Yeah, I, I, even even for me, it's it's so difficult. Yeah. Yeah, cause. Uh, but I do I do enjoy writing some of these characters. Yeah. They're like so uh like little pictures. I love it. Yeah, I think visual people yeah. enjoy con- well con- what we they call kanji in Japan like we enjoy that kind of like yeah. pictogram, you know. I got like 20 on lock. <laughs> I just need to know like the 3650 other ones or whatever it is. Yeah, it's 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 a huge challenge. It, it really is. That's difficult. Like yeah. I had an app that shows you the picture of them, and you could draw them, and then it 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 basically like makes up a story of like what that picture means with the kanji. So, but as a visual person, it makes it easier. You know, like Yama is mountain. It looks like a mountain. You know, so but then when they get really complicated, it's just it's so hard. Yeah, I guess it links the image with the sound. Yes. Which, you know, yeah. other alphabets just don't do at all. You know, it's, it's kind of unique yeah. in that sense, you know. It's pretty cool. One day I'll learn it. <laughs> I have a lot of students who are trying to teach me some things and, you know, and, and I feel like it would be really useful, but um, there's only so many hours in a day, unfortunately. <laughs> you, you, you had your show in Japan, right? Yeah, it just, it it just closed, yeah. But again, uh, like you, I couldn't go because the quarantine. You couldn't yeah. go. Or it's a bummer. It would be nice, so nice to go to Japan. I love it. I mean, I, normally I go yeah. every year, but I haven't been since you know pre-COVID. So 
And uh, usually, which part of Japan do you like spend your Mostly time? Tokyo, Mostly Tokyo, but I've been oh. all over. The only places I haven't gone is like like Okinawa, like way down south. And I've oh, never been okay. to Hokkaido either. I've never been like to the North oh, Island. The far, the far ends. Yeah. Maybe because yeah, it's 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 a flight right from Tokyo. It's a bit too much. Yeah, or Shinkansen. So. You can take the the bullet train, but I just have never yeah. done it. But I I want to eventually. But I've been to some pretty, you know, far out there, like in the outback, you know, like way out. They call it the Inaka, like in the the countryside, and it's fun. Wow. Yeah. But uh, soon, hopefully, I'll be able to get back there. <laughs> Everybody in Singapore wants to go to Japan. Really, it's not Korea nowadays. I feel like Korea is just. Banging. Uh, it's also Korea. Yeah, yeah. Seoul is like killing it. I mean, the, <laughs> the pop culture there is just taking it up a notch. I want to go to Seoul badly. I just haven't had the really? opportunity to show there yet, but I would love to go. To experience the soul winter. I'll take it. I'm from Pittsburgh. Um, winter is nothing for me. I can handle... <laughs> and weather doesn't bother me. Whether it's cold or hot, I can deal no. with it. Yeah. And I think oh, I'm wow. particularly better in colder weather. But I love hot weather too. Oh. But I think genetically I'm just okay with cold. It doesn't bother me. Uh, yeah, too cold, I, I can't. I'm still a tropical plant. Yeah. That's yeah. not your natural habitat. <laughs> yeah, I can't do the the wake up and just get two hours of sunlight and it just oh yeah and then the rest of the day is yeah I need my my chlorophyll and yeah vitamin what is it sun, K yeah <laughs> vitamin D vitamin D yeah. yeah I I I that still does depress me actually the older I get I get more yeah. depressed at these like when it starts getting dark at three o'clock in the afternoon I'm like oh man come on <laughs> but it makes you really appreciate it in the summer. Seasons, that's why I love seasons. Because just when you get sick of one, it changes. And then you start Yeah, to f- it changes, right? Yeah. Does that change the world? So, like, your color palette? I... Does... Like the skies in your paintings? Or- I think that my history of living through seasons informs yeah. that. I don't think it literally does uh, in the studio because I'm usually working on imagery. It's a memory, Yeah, right? sometimes it lines up. Mm. Like, if I'm using a photograph I take for something and it's like a fall sunset then that finds its way into the work. The odd thing is a lot of times, like I'll do a painting with like snow in it and then I end up showing that painting in June, which is weird. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? It's just, it lines up that way. So, um, but yeah, I, I think it, I'm affected by my palette from life, you know, of what I've experienced, you know, like if you yeah. take a Brazilian person and you move them to London for school or whatever, I think their palette is still going to be, Brazilian, informed by all that they've seen, and you know, I mean, not necessarily, but it can be, you know. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm actually quite drawn to um, uh, a very contrasting palette, and I think it's because of being uh, being in the equator, and the sun is so it's always like that. Yeah. Yeah, but also maybe it also could be from looking at, like, all these chiaroscuro and Caravaggio. Cheesy art, you're trying to say. Yeah, the <laughs> cheesy art, yeah. That but also it's it. the, yeah. but that kind of color contrast also creates, like, that theatricality and drama. So, 
Yeah, maybe maybe it's a aesthetic choice. Also. Yeah, and I think it depends on like what yeah. your work is about. So there's some kid who grows up mm. maybe in you know Lapland or like really far north in Norway, but they grow up watching anime like every day. So maybe that palette comes out in their drawings more than their local kind of like you know palette of the landscape. Uh, so it kind of depends yeah, yeah. on, or if you work in video. You know, the video itself, the colors available might influence the palette more than, you know, where the person is from. So it, I guess it all depends. I'm just putting yeah, a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm putting a lot more money on an artist from Brazil is probably going to be more apt to be colorful than monochrome. Oh, definitely. <laughs> you know, it's like part yeah. of like light, you know. Like, it's quite strange, like, how... I feel like as an outsider at the RCA yeah. or an international student, I I could identify like, oh, this is definitely British. Right. Like it's a it's a dirty, messy painting and and it has these uh and it's sometimes it's also not the colour, it's a, it's a griminess that I associate with uh, kind of British painting. It's almost like, like punk, oh, yeah, right? It's British. It's got a little grit yeah, yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if you go yeah. to LA, generally, the paintings might be a little more aesthetically, I don't know. Pop. Yeah, like a, a brighter yeah. or like there's might be. Yeah. I don't want to, I mean, there's obviously everywhere there's a spectrum of people, but just on the whole, yeah, you know, a little less doom and gloom, maybe. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm gonna get, I'll get hate mail from people. I'm in LA and I'm doing <laughs> punk rock paintings. What are you talking about? And then someone from London who makes beautifully like pop, like you know, hard edge, like clean, bright paintings. I get it. I get it. We're just generally, you know. Yeah, they're the rebels, reb, uh, rebelling against the the grittiness of. Reality. Totally, yeah. Like the person in yeah. LA making dark gothy paintings, like that's yeah. that's punk rock, you know. Or the person in, in <laughs> you know London making like super neon Peter Haley type paintings, that's very punk. <laughs> yeah, and I think also that was something I I quite grappled with, like uh, this identity thing, because uh, yeah, we don't really have a and. A recognizable aesthetic. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. So, like, sometimes I I like um, put like little uh, food references. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also I like I don't know. Sometimes in my paintings, I I kind of like like to suggest something that's f- from here, but the setting is a bit abstract. So right. it it can be anywhere. It's like this. Um, stage performer who has these like props and maybe some of them are play specific but the play itself um, is uh, takes place in uh, no man's land almost yeah. yeah although for the armory thing I kind of felt like I need to put some uh, like recognizably Singaporean scenes, right. one or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To connect something yeah. like a marker. Just to say, yeah, I'm Singapore. I'm right. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to represent. 
Yeah. After all, it's a diary and... Yeah. Yeah, we're... Although, yeah, there, there were some works where I say, yeah, this is the sad London art student and... And yeah, they I I I did draw on on my time in the UK for some of them. Yeah, I think yeah. whether we're purposeful, or, you know, even un- unconsciously, where we're from and who we are is going to get in there. You know, like if you're really yeah living, eating, and breathing that work, it's going to come through in one way or another. Yeah, maybe also like it's on the moment, right? Because like you're swimming. And everything is fluid. So, like, you kind of, like, latch on to, like, what's in this subconscious that comes your way. And, oh, it happens to be uh, this thing. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. I I never... And sometimes it works. Yeah, I never thought of myself as an American painter until I showed in Japan and they said he's a very American painter. And I said, (laughs) oh, yeah, I guess... I guess I am an American painter. You know what I mean? Like I never thought about Uh it. It was just like, Oh, this is just what I do. But then seeing it outside, when you get out of the, the context of it, when you see it from a different angle, you can realize. What, uh, why did you not think yourself as American? Is it because your influences are like from like cross cultural or like you never saw the work as being, uh, place specific. I think it's, I think that when you're doing something in the place like you're not necessarily conscious of it you know what I mean even you might Mm. be you're conscious of outside influence and you're interested in other things or whatever but you're not necessarily thinking about like you know like I'll give you an example when I grew up in Pittsburgh I had a Pittsburghese accent like I would say things in an accent that's from Pittsburgh I never realized it. I never knew it until I went to college and I said, I need to do my wash. And people were saying, you, what do you mean? Like they didn't understand what I was saying. Like, I'm going to wash my car. And they made, they were like, wash your car. And I, and for a while I thought there were two ways to say, to clean something, wash and wash. You know what I mean? Sometimes you don't realize it until you see other people see it from a different angle. And then it's then you true because it. we have this thing called Singlish here in Singapore. Yeah. And sometimes um, it comes out when I'm in the UK and then my friends are like, oh, what's that? And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. Then I then I, sometimes some, somehow I feel like if I use the proper English word, um, a part of me kind of dies right, in right. the expression. Yeah, yeah. It's not the same. You yeah. Know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You could break it out. Like, I can break it out Pittsburghese if I need to. <laughs> I can sound like I'm right from there, like deep. But I, I never do. I train myself not to speak that way. But, yeah, it's part of, you know, who you are. But, yeah, it's an interesting thing, too, like that you're saying that things can become hybrid, too, over time. You know, like there's yeah. like we, in yeah. our family, there's like, we call it Nihonglish, which is like Japanese English, where we'll, oh. there's like this combination of like moving in between you know, which is really funny. So, you know, I think those, sometimes you just don't understand it until someone else is like, really, is that, or or that's different than what we say or we do, you know, and then once you see it from... It's also a bit like, uh, like in the studio, right? Like when, when you've been painting for hours, you have to like take, 
ten steps totally. back, yes. and then you see, yeah. oh, so that's what it is, and then um, then it gives some idea of, uh, yeah, what you should do. Yeah. With it? Yeah, no, I think it's a, a yeah. I'm always telling whenever I teach like intro level painting classes or like, you know, when they're doing stuff like still lives or things and they're just working the whole class like right here, you know, I say you have to step back. You have to take breaks and walk away and then come back because after you go downstairs and drink a coffee and come back upstairs, you see it differently, you know. So mm. I think that you're right. It, it It translates to a lot of different things, you know. Even moving, like traveling, so I think traveling is so amazing because when you go to different places, you realize different people have different angles of seeing things and the way things work, you know, and it just makes you more open to to things. These days, I just um, travel on my laptop. Yeah. I live vicariously through movies and it's great. Low carbon Instagram. footprint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I'm doing it too lately. It's not the real thing, but, you know, it helps. It helps, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess it also keep, it's, it keeps it keeps the distraction in check because, like, deadlines are coming. And, yes. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Look on the bright side, for sure. Well, I hope you get to go to Shanghai for that show to see it. Yeah, I hope so, too. And yeah. um, Maybe they might push it to June. I'm not sure. Yeah. I also hope that you show we'll in New York soon goes. because it would be great to see yeah see the work yeah here. yeah I think uh, Yavuz Gallery is definitely doing Armory again next year nice. and they say you must come again next year yes. so I might come in September next year perfect yeah well and hopefully until then people can check out your Instagram to keep updated on you and you have a website I noticed yeah those things yeah <laughs> cool well thanks so much man. it was great to meet and to talk to you yeah it was so nice to talk to you thanks Thank you.